Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. Jesus could have gone back to Capernaum, but he obeys. So when you hear from God, you need to obey. Look at what happens at verse 39. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. In other words, simple obedience to God brings us success. Jesus didn't go back to Capernaum. He didn't allow the crowd to do that. He walked in unity with God. That's what a Christian should be doing. You should be walking daily in unison with God. The Bible teaches us that God's sheep hear His voice. And who are His sheep? Well, we are His children, those who believe in His Son. We are His sheep. So the next question should be, do you hear His voice? Or are you even listening? Sadly, most of us spend so much time talking to God that we don't hear His still, small voice. We are more concerned about what we think we need than listening for His instructions. We need to change that. We need to slow down and take the time to hear Him. He wants to give us direction in this life. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. I'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verse 36, as he continues teaching through our message entitled, The Battlefield of Life. See, when he directs you, everything else just fits into place. may not be what you wanted, but it's best for the kingdom. So as you go through that, God's going to speak to us. Now he's going to speak to you as you sit there and pray, normally through his word. He will direct you. So I always read a little passage and have it there and let him speak to me. Secondly, he'll speak to you through the person of the Holy Spirit. You have that peace and that, that direction. And the third thing, he's going to speak to us, as we know, through circumstances. So here's the principle. When God speaks to you, He never, ever goes against what He's written in His Word. This is what you use. You don't use some doctrine from a church for anybody. You use the Word of God. God would never speak to man that which we says exactly the opposite in His Word. This man is deceived, the world is deceived, and Satan loves it. So that's why we teach through the Word of God. So you can look at it and say, is that what it says? Is that what it means? No commandments. Come on. When God spoke to him that morning, what do you think Jesus heard? I believe he heard something like this. Hey, son, you thought yesterday was busy. Wait till today. God has a sense of humor. I believe he said this. Son, you did great yesterday. I'm proud of you. You know, God loves to encourage us. He knows us. Many times God said to Jesus, I'm pleased with you. You've done good. One other thing I believe he said was this, you're going to face some incredible situations today. Just hang in there. It's going to be new for you. Just trust me. I know what's going to happen. So Jesus was talking to God, and God was talking to Jesus, and they're out alone. Back at the house, we have the disciples, who are supposed to be learning what it is to be like Jesus, but they're asleep. You'll find that a pattern for the disciples quite often. 
In fact, all the way up to when Jesus is crucified, they're always sleeping instead of praying. Very interesting. Very similar to us. Look at verse 36. And Simon and his companions went to look for him. In other words, they woke up, they looked around and said, where's Jesus? And when they found him, they had to go out of the house, naturally. When they found him, they had to go through all the people that had already gathered at the door. Because it wasn't dark, it was now daylight. They'd slept in, they were tired, Jesus is already gone, he's already ministered out, and here they come. Now, here's what they find. Here's what Peter says, everyone is looking for you. In other words, they don't have a clue what's wrong with Jesus. Why are you out here? You should be back where the ministry is. They didn't understand the priority of prayer. Often we don't understand the priority of prayer. Point number three this morning is this on the overhead. Prayer plus obedience equals success. It doesn't do any good to pray and God speak to us if we don't obey what he tells us to do. So prayer plus obedience equals success. Look at verse 38. Now, the disciples were really saying this to Jesus when they found him. Jesus, we got it made here. You did good at the synagogue. People are going to be out waiting to hear you next Sabbath. They can't wait for you. We got a nice place to stay. Capernaum's a nice town. It's a lot of fishing, a lot of neat stuff. Crowds are everywhere. You're healing people. We got a maid in the shade, Jesus. Let's get back to Capernaum where we've come from, and let's continue on with ministry. What are you doing out here in the desert? Look what Jesus replied. Let's go somewhere else, nearby, villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. I believe Jesus is trying to teach his interns five things. Number one, there must be prayer before ministry. There must be prayer before ministry. You see, If you and I are going to minister out of our own natural strength, not much comes from that situation. So when I pray and and prepare sermons and teachings and study hours and hours so I can come and present it to you, prayer must be mixed in that process. Otherwise, I stand here in my own strength, my own ability, and my own ability without God is like me as a carpenter or whatever, don't have any. And you don't get it. So I have to listen to God as I'm speaking. Secondly, I believe Jesus said this, prayer keeps him from responding to the urgent. You see, the disciples said, you got to come back. There's people everywhere. Come on, come back to town. Jesus said, no, we're going somewhere else. Very interesting that Jesus, this is a shock to some of you, never ministered to every need that he could have. He doesn't go back to Capernaum. Those people are left without the touch of God. You see, if you try to respond to the tyranny of the urgent, you'll always miss God's will. You can't meet every need. When you come in here in a week, you come to the office, and the office people are there, and the ministry, and I'm backed up two or three weeks in counseling and all that. If I come in here and go, look at the need, look at the people everywhere, all the needs, I'd lose it. I have to take one day at a time and minister to who I can. And I just started forcing myself. The office has helped me to take one day off a week. I wasn't really taking a day off. I wasn't doing God's... I'm just full-time. I can't do that. I'm human. So take a day off. Unless there's emergency, death, or life, I don't respond on that day. The office takes care of it. I had to do it. I didn't want to do it. I'd rather be here seven days a week, to be honest with you. That's the way my nature is. But I had to do that. 
You see, Jesus said, we're going to another town. Those people are going to be left without. See, Jesus was only man. He could be in one place at one time. Now, what the scripture says is when you and I become believers, then we're able to do more than Jesus was able to do. What's he mean by that? Not greater things. All of us can be everywhere at the same t- at different times. You can be at your work and here and there and yonder Cape, all the way down to what, Sebastian, and we're out ministering. Jesus could only be in one. So Jesus said, I can't respond just to the crowds. I have to do what Jesus says. I have to do what God says. Number three, pride can destroy a minister in a ministry. The disciples said, let's go back to the place where you're popular. You're already known. Man, they're, they're crowded at the door. Jesus knew that he couldn't respond to the popularity of men. You see, if I respond in my heart to the popularity of people and want to do what people want to do, then I usually am not doing what God wants to do. So Jesus knew that pride was an issue. He would later say to his disciples, Peter, don't get a fat head because you'll destroy your ministry. So God usually keeps us humble and he moves us in different ways so that what we do doesn't seem like what we should do. That's because very often God is trying to move us away from me depending on my own wisdom and my own strength. And number four, the priority ministry Jesus says there is, I'm going to another town so I can preach there. You'll see through the Bible and it hasn't changed one bit today. Most people want religion, want God, want Jesus for their physical needs finances, marriage, healing, whatever. And God does minister in all those areas. But the real healing that Jesus was to come to do is the spiritual healing of man's soul. You see, no matter how many times you're healed, it's good, we pray for God to heal us, one day you're going to die. You will spend eternity somewhere. So Jesus didn't want to be known as only a physical healer. He wanted to touch the hearts of men and women. See, sin is a disease that affects us eternally. So if you watch television today, many people have fallen into the, I believe, the trap of responding only to the physical part of man. You can't do just that. You must minister to the spiritual part of man and women. So Jesus says, yes, I'm going to heal. Yes, I'm going to deliver, but we're going out so I can preach the gospel. I also believe that morning... God just basically directed Jesus to say this. So he changed. See, in in the disciples' mind, Jesus should have gone right back to Capernaum. That's where the ministry was. And Jesus says, well, this morning, while you guys are sleeping, God said to me, we're changing directions. We're going the other way. The disciples didn't get it. But they were seeing, as they went the other way, that miracles would happen. Now, Jesus could have gone back to Capernaum, but he obeys. So when you hear from God, you need to obey. Look at what happens in verse 39. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. In other words, simple obedience to God brings us success. Jesus didn't go back to Capernaum. He didn't allow the crowd to do that. He walked in unity with God. That's what a Christian should be doing. You should be walking daily in unison with God. Now, as he's traveling through Galilee, we come to verse 40. Let's look at verse 40. Point number four is this. Prayer is conversation with a loving God. Circle that loving. Prayer is conversation with a loving God. Verse 40 says this. A man with leprosy came to him 
and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, we don't really understand leprosy today. It's not something that's too common, although Mother Teresa dealt with it. And by the way, there is a drug called thalidomide. Some of you remember from the days ago that caused tremendous malformations of babies. By the way, it's coming back and it's going to be used to treat uh, Hansen's disease, which is the medical name for, for leprosy. How interesting. What is leprosy? Well, leprosy is, as I said, called Hansen's disease. It's a painless hell is what it is. What happens is in your body, the, the nerves somehow begin to malfunction. And so the nerves to your extremities are become inoperable. And I'll just read you. The disease is kind of like an anesthetic. You can't feel in your ears and your nose and your toes and those extremities. You just can't feel. And it says this, that soon the skin loses its original color. It gets thick and glossy and scaly. As the sickness progresses, the thickened spots become dirty sores and full of ulcers due to poor blood supply. So what happens is you can't feel these parts of your body. And you'll be going along and you'll bump your hand and you'll break your hand. You break your fingers and you don't even know it. And pretty soon ulcers are there. Or in, in the really poor countries, you'll be sleeping at night and where rats are and everything, they'll come in and they gnaw. Actually, absolutely gnaw on your extremities. You don't know it. There's no feeling in your toes and so forth. Your ear and your nose, they fall off. Your eyebrows go away. Your hair falls out. And it's a horrible disease. And as it talks about here, he says, fingers, toes, ears, nose become numb and they fall off. The person is horribly deformed. In fact, Luke says he was full of leprosy. He was at the end stages. And the odor, if I had leprosy this morning, the guys in the sound booth could smell the odor. 100 feet away, you could smell that odor. That was the physical pain. But more than that was the social part. The leper lived a life of isolation. In the Jewish area, they had to leave the community. They had to live on the outskirts in little huts. They were isolated from the community, from the church, from their family. They would have to, if any time they were within six foot of somebody, they would have to yell this, unclean, unclean, unclean. And people would go like this to get away from them. They would have to have dirty clothes shredded and cover part of their face so when people saw them coming, they knew they were lepers. So they were social outcasts. And the greatest, probably, pain of all of this was the loss of the human touch. You see, as a Jew, you weren't allowed to touch a person with leprosy. That made you unclean. So these people who were lepers, isolated from the community, when they came by you in town or whatever, would yell unclean and you'd move away from them. They remember the days when they were married, husband and wife. They would have an embrace from their spouse. Or their kid would run up to them and they would hug their child. Or a friend would shake hands with them or give them a hug. They longed for one human touch. They lived without it. Can you imagine this morning? Your whole life for the last 10 years, no human touch. Nothing. Not even brush up again. Get away. That's the life that they lived. Now, the passage says, somehow this leper made his way to Jesus. Somehow in the back isolated areas, he heard Jesus coming. He had faith. He's the only leper that had faith. 
somehow he makes his way through the crowd. And you can imagine this morning if he started from the back there and Jesus is up here and you guys are the crowd and Jesus is ministering. Here comes the leper. Now as he comes down this road here, what are you doing? Because he's yelling what? Unclean. Unclean. Some of you are indignant. What is that? Phew, man, what is he doing here? Some of you are going, what's this guy? What's Jesus going to do with somebody like this? See, it's a, there was no cure. Hopeless. Absolutely no cure. So here he comes. He makes his way to Jesus. Look at what he says. He begs to him on his knees and he says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He knows this is interesting. An unbeliever has faith in God. You know, sometimes they do better than we do as believers. He says, I know you're God. I've seen, I've heard what you're doing. You can heal me if you are willing. I think that's very interesting because that is the concept most people, most unbelievers have of God. See, they picture God as somebody mean, harsh, aloof, not interested in us, against man. So he says, if you're willing. Today, I want to tell you, God is not against you. He's for you. The character of God is loving. It's long-suffering. The scripture says he won't withhold any good thing from those who love him. God is for you this morning, right where you're at. There's two mistakes people make right here. Follow this. One mistake is this. People don't come to Jesus until they think they're going to have their life all right, everything in line, then they're going to come to Jesus. If this leper would have waited until his life was right, he would have died. You will die unless you come to Jesus when you need him. You will never get your life right with God without God's help. The second mistake could happen. All the other leopards stayed back. Why? Because they thought they were beyond hope. Satan will do that to you. Whatever your situation is today, you're without hope. I want to tell you, when there's God, you're not without hope. He's the source of our hope. And this leper made his way through. Look what Jesus says. As Jesus is there and this man is yelling unclean, did Jesus ever see a leper before? Well, sure, he lived 30 years in Israel. He saw plenty of lepers. So he knew what was happening. Look at verse 41. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. And he said, I am willing. Be clean. Jesus, no doubt, looked down at this man kneeling before him, sunken eyes, no eyebrows, no hair, numbs on his fingers, no toes, smelly, sores, shameful. Ken Guire says this, the jester of Jesus to reach out and touch him, says, I love you, I care, I'm sorry, I understand, I want to help. Get this if you miss everything else. Jesus came to earth to show us what God was like. You see, man says God's aloof, harsh, angry. No, Jesus said, I am God, Father and I are one, I am willing. God's willing to meet your need. He wants to meet your need. Jesus didn't turn him away. In fact, the scripture says to us, anybody that comes to Jesus, he will not in any way turn them 
away. It's not too late. So Jesus touches this man. Nobody touches a leper. Now, could Jesus have healed the man without touching him? You got it. See, he didn't touch him because he had to. He touched him because he wanted to. That's the kind of God we serve this morning. I imagine the crowd was shaken. Well, what happens? Point number five is this prayer is a prayer is conversation with an all-powerful creator of the universe. An all-powerful creator of the universe. Look in verse 42. Immediately, the leprosy left him, and he was cured. You see, leprosy was impossible to cure with man. This leper came to God. Nothing is impossible with God. You believe that? In your life, nothing is impossible with God. So as he reaches down, one touch, the leper is totally clean. Listen to this. We don't know exactly what happened, but the disease is gone. Hughes puts this this way. I love it. Picture yourself. You're the crowd. The leper's there. He's kneeled. Jesus has touched him, and immediately he's healed. Here's what it was like. The healing was sudden and complete. His feet, formerly toeless, ulcerated stubs, were suddenly whole, bursting with new toes in those sandals. The knobs of his hands grew fingers right before his eyes. Back came his ear. His eyebrows appeared. Eyelashes under his hair. Now were ears. And before him a nose and his skin was soft. Instantaneously. Whew. That's God. Now at that, Jesus said to him, Now go to the priest and tell them you've been healed. The reason Jesus did that is this. In the Old Testament, it was predicted when the Messiah would come, he would heal people of diseases like leprosy. So Jesus wanted this leper to go to the priest and say, hey, you guys have never seen a healing of leprosy. There's only a couple in the Bible, and they were all in the Old Testament. One was a Gentile. And he said this, tell them that you've been healed. Go through the ritual, because I'm announcing to the priesthood, to those Jews, the Messiah is here. But this guy was so excited, he blows it. He doesn't go there. He goes through the crowd and tells everybody and just immediately gets out of the will of God. He's so excited. Now, it's good when you're healed to be excited, but we should do what God tells us to do. Because of this, Jesus now has to go to the wilderness to minister. He can't go to the towns because this miracle was so real, people came everywhere. Now, remember what happened. The touch of Jesus. Before the man came to Jesus, he came full of disease, and he came crying what? Unclean, unclean, unclean. Think how he leaves the service. Clean, 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 touch me, touch my hand, touch me, touch me. He had not been touched, and these people go, amazing. Why? One reason. Touch of Jesus. That's what you need in your life this morning. That's what I need. Our life will never be the same if you'll allow Jesus to touch your life. Nothing is impossible with God. Do you believe that? It's easy for us to say, but when push comes to shove and we really feel the need for His help, do we honestly believe that He'll come through? 
Understand that as his children, he's promised to provide for us. He also promised to never leave us. It all comes down to trust. Do you trust that what God says is true? Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. The messages that you hear each day here on Lessons for Living were produced from messages that Pastor Mark shared at the main campus in Melbourne. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Saturday nights at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Now, the next time you join us here on Lessons for Living, we'll be discussing priorities. This is a wonderful topic for the times that we live in. Life is so fast-paced. We have so many things vying for our attention. But as Christians, we need to be careful that we don't put anything before God. He doesn't belong on the back burner. He needs to be our first and greatest priority. Everything else falls into place after Him. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right.